Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. So it is Tuesday or Wednesday evening, and it is the week of the crucifixion. The conversation we are about to hear was in response to the disciples asking a question. When will this happen? And if you're like me, this has been top of mind of late. Hey, Hopeful. Greetings uh, again from my regular microphone today. So glad you're on the journey with us through God's Word in print and considering our own life and work stories in light of that, which is a good time to remember that regardless of how you interpret end time stuff in the Bible or what you see going on in the world today, our essential call is follow me. Live today in light of eternity and as if Jesus could return before this podcast is done. Come come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's what I would say. Matthew chapter 24. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and asked, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Then, then they will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawless will multiply, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for at that time there will be great distress, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved." But those days will be cut short because of the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance. So if they tell you, See, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or if they say, See, he's in the storerooms, don't believe it. 
For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. And that gets us up through verse 28, and I hate to cut the party short. But while there's a lot of debate about exactly what part of Jesus' fifth discourse uh, is speaking about the things that are immediate to that local context in Jerusalem and what parts apply to us in the big picture, like final end time stuff. Most agree that what we've just read is, is for them in their, in their era. God's plans for his followers will go forward in, in spite of hardship and opposition. And the certainty of Messiah's return is our motivation to continue in faithful obedience in the present, and we'll continue on with that tomorrow. My friends, when we walk by faith, God supplies our needs and opens doors of opportunities for us. And I think that's useful to remember because as we get to our Old Testament segment today, and I'm purposely leaving a little more time, we've got a couple good stories. I think these are stories that we really tend to like. Elijah makes uh, an appearance kind of like immediately. And we'll just get to reading and catch up after that. First Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide at the wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived at the wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan, And the ravens kept bringing him bread and meal in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the wadi. After a while, the wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood, and Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to to go prepare it for myself and my son so that we can eat it and die. And then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says, The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. 
The flower jar did not become empty, and the oil jug did not run dry, according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through Elijah. Pause. Friends, this is a Gentile woman who has faith. It's beautiful. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill, and his illness got worse until he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, Man of God, what do you have against me? Have you come to call attention to my iniquity so that my son is put to death? But Elijah said to her, Give me your son. So he took him from her arms and brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. So the Lord listened to Elijah, and the boy's life came into him again, and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upstairs room into the house, and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, Look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. After a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the surface of the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace, and Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord and took a hundred prophets and hid them, fifty men to a cave, and provided them with food and water when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. Ahab said to Obadiah, Go throughout the land to every spring and to every wadi. Perhaps we will find grass so we can keep the horses and mules alive and not have to destroy any cattle. They divided the land between them in order to cover it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went the other way by himself. While Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. When Obadiah recognized him, he fell face down and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? It is I, he replied. Go tell your Lord, Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, What sin have I committed that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent someone to search for you. When they said, He is not here, he, he made that kingdom or nation swear that they had not found you. Now you say, Go tell the Lord, Elijah is here. But when I leave you, the Spirit of the Lord may carry you off to some place I don't know, and then when I go report to Ahab that he, and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Wasn't it reported to the Lord what I did when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets? I hid a hundred of the prophets of the Lord, fifty men to a cave, and I provided them with food and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord Elijah is here, he will kill me. And then Elijah said, as the Lord of armies lives, in whose presence I stand, today I will present myself to Ahab. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. Then Ahab went to meet Elijah, and when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, the one ruining Israel? He replied, I have not ruined Israel. 
but you and your father's family have because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Pause. Before I read the rest of the story, remember this. Baal was primarily a weather god and hence responsible for the harvest. Right? Uh, on the other hand, Yahweh may have been popularly thought of as, you know, a god of the desert regions of Sinai or something like that because most people thought of gods being localized because, of course, if they are worshiping demons, demons are not gods of the whole universe. Continuing. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? My friends, pause. Listen to this question. How long will you waver between two opinions? We're going to come back to that. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull from themselves, cut it in pieces, and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers with fire, he is God. All the people answered, that's fine. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal until, from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no sound. No one answered. Then they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, shout loudly for he's a god. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he's wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. They shouted loudly and cut themselves with knives and spears according to their custom until blood gushed over them. All afternoon they kept on raving until the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no sound. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. So all the people approached him, and then he repaired the Lord's altar that had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. And he built an altar with the stones in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold about four gallons. Next, he arranged the wood, cut up the bull, and placed it on the wood, and he said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the, offer, uh, on the offering to be burned and on the wood. And then he said, A second time. And they did it a second time. And then he said, A third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He even filled the trench with water. 
At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the altar and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and I am your servant, and and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah ordered them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let even one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Wadi Kishon and slaughtered them there. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up eat and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel. He bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees, and then he said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. So we went up, looked, and said, There's nothing. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. On the seventh time, the servant reported, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming up from the sea. Then Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab. Say, Get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. In a little while the sky grew dark with clouds and wind and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. The power of the Lord was on Elijah and he tucked his mantle under his belt and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. That is 1 Kings 17 and 18. My friends, I paused probably more than I should have there, but I wanted to point out one thing. Elijah did not accuse the people of outright apostasy, right? Even though that's what they were guilty of. But what what he accused them of was hesitating between two opinions, which suggests that they had been trying to worship both Baal and Yahweh to probably secure the maximum advantages of both. My friends, are our hearts split? Do we give God Sunday morning but not Monday morning? Be sure to trust the provider and not the provision. Brooks dry up, but God never fails. God's plans for his followers will go forward, and in spite of the hardship and opposition in the world now and probably in the future, the certainty of the Messiah's return is our motivation, or should be, to continue in faithful obedience in the presence. Lord God, I just pray for someone right here that they are wavering. Or Lord, maybe they've just wandered and they just want to come back to you. Lord, I just pray that you will receive them with open arms. I know you will, Lord, because you promised you would. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.